scripture reading, which is Psalm 44. Psalm 44 is a psalm of lament, but it is not the lamentation of an individual. It is rather the grieving of a congregation of God's people who are perplexed over why the Lord has withheld his blessing from them, despite how faithful they have been to the Lord. Their question to God is essentially this, why, O Lord, do you meet fidelity with disaster? But this question is not one of unbelief. It is a query rooted in hope that God will return. In verses 9 through 22, here in Psalm 44, the psalmists, the sons of Korah, turn from the past to the present. While they glory in the greatness of what God has done for his people in the days of old, as they say, they now take a hard look at their present circumstances, which appear as a contradiction of experience. We might even call it a dilemma of faith. In verses 9 through 16, it bespeaks to what can only appear as a judgment on the people of God. Rejection, disgrace, scorn, derision. This is what the people of God have become to their enemies. And yet, it is because of what God has done. Look at how this reads. But you have rejected us and disgraced us. Again, they're addressing this to the Lord. You have made us turn back from the foe. And those who hate us have gotten spoiled. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. All day long, my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sound of the enemy and the avenger. But what aggravates this trial that the sons of Korah are very openly, honestly confessing to God is that there isn't any apparent reason for it. Look at what they say in verses 17 to 21. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. 
Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Do you hear what they're saying? In spite of their faithfulness to God, it seems that they are rewarded, if you will, with nothing but pain and sorrow. So what do we make of this? What do we make of this? Well, verse 22 is the key. Look at it. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. For your sake. For your sake. What do we understand about that? Well, beloved, what we understand is that their suffering is not punishment. It is a battle scar. It is a battle scar. It is the price of loyalty in a world which is at war with God. In fact, it is because they are God's people that the world treats them with such scorn. For your sake, on account of you, because of you, Lord, because we are identified with you. I wonder how many of you recognize verse 22. Let's read it again. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Is there anywhere else in Scripture where we hear those words? Indeed. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Imagine that. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8... The Holy Spirit inspires Paul to employ and apply Psalm 44, verse 22 within the context, and get this, within the context of what is the crescendo, what is the climax of what Paul started writing in chapter 5 of Romans, which is on the assurance of the believer's salvation. The security of their salvation, the assurance of their faith. And here when, when we come at the end of Romans 8, 
This is all building up, building up to a great crescendo. starts really in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Or you could just go back and, and just read through Psalm 44 verses 9 through 16. Just read all of that and add it here. Because Paul is just saying the same thing. Is any of this going to separate us from the love of Christ? And then look, verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord." So how do we understand Psalm 44, verses 9 through 22? We get the divine commentary in Romans 8. That, that within the context of great tribulation, within the context of great suffering and scorn at the hands of this ungodly, hateful world, that within the context of that, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from the everlasting covenantal love of God. The price we pay for being identified with Christ is a pitiful price. It's a small price. Because it is so temporary. It is so transient. It will not take away what God has done for us in Christ. Remember, Romans chapter 8 starts with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And it ends with saying, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. No condemnation, no separation, and within the mix of all of that, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In the midst of all of that. And yet, 
That's no reason that we should have a pity party. Because nothing, nothing can separate us from His love for us in Christ ever. Indeed, as Paul says in verse 31, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who or what can take away, can undo what God has done for us in Christ? That's the drive, driving point of that question. And it's rhetorical. Nothing. No one. No one. And so, while we, may be, while we may be in this circumstance of being killed all the day long, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, yet it is for God's sake. It is in our identification with Him and what the world may do and what God may actually permit the world to do will not undo ever what God has already done for us. That is why verse 22 of Psalm 44 is the key. It's the key to our faith. In such a time, in such a season, that we as God's people may have to endure such scorn and derision and mocking and disgrace and persecution at the hands of the world. And with this, beloved, we have much to be encouraged by. Much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do affirm what we have already sung to your praise this morning that whatever you ordain is right. And even when we may go through a season of great and terrible suffering at the hands of wicked men, yet Lord, even that trial it's a trial not outside of your control or purpose, but it is because of your purpose and under your control. And thus, it is for our good to somehow, in the strangest of ways, bring a sweet assurance to our faith in you, Lord, that it is for your sake that we are being killed all the day long and being hauled off as sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even at that, we cannot ever be separated from you. We cannot ever be separated from your love and grace your mercy, your kindness, nothing can undo, nothing can thwart your redemption for us in Christ, your eternal redemption.
And so, Lord, we, we pray that if and when the time comes that in your providence you bring us into such a season as you did the sons of Korah and that believing remnant of their day and time, we pray, Lord, increase our faith. Remind us that this is for your sake. This is on account of you. And our identification with you as your people. It is not punishment. It is not condemnation that we are enduring. It is a battle scar. A price for the loyalty that we have to you, Lord, in the face of the world that hates you. Holy Father, let us not forget these precious things that your holy word reveals to us. Even today, preparing us for such a time that we know in accord with your word will indeed come. But we thank you for not letting us be caught blindsided by such a season when it does arrive, but to remember the things that you are teaching us today. For the sake of our Lord Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen.